yellow. Hey! Yeah, see, I wasn't even going to try. I've given up on trying to actually welcome I people I enjoy to the show. when you say you've given up. Yeah. Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from, th- from Above the Law. I'm joined by Catherine Rubino and Chris Williams. We're here to give a quick rundown on some of the big legal stories of last week. But first, we should we should talk about other things. If you want to, we start in our small talk segment. Sorry, you you jumped the gun there. I was trying to. Did I jump the gun, or was it the gun only going to go off if once I started? I I really mm-hmm. I bristle at the accusation. Bristle, interesting. Mm. Is that mean admitted true? Does it have a new? It does not. That is not what now? that word means. I think it might in this instance. Context clues give me a lot of information. Shocked at this. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) we are having our little small talk segment. Uh, I will kick off uh, quite quite literally and say that I managed to win all of my fantasy games this weekend. So that's Well, la-dee-da to you. (laughs) So you didn't. (laughs) I lost them all. Ah, that's a shame. Including to you, by the way. That is true. We do have a fantasy league. Uh, But yeah, uh, yeah. No, you know, hey, maybe I can teach you some pointers sometime seriously yeah. stop it <laughs> just stop but on the upside is the new york giants actually managed to win a game that was the opposite of an upside for those of us who had money on the opposite result so, oh so not everything is coming up joe patrice yeah that was that was bad i did think that the number one seed from last year's playoffs would manage to beat one of the worst teams in football, but I, it turns out I, listen, that didn't work. I, I am a Giants fan. I did not even watch the end of the game because I was like, oh, it's not going to it's not going to end well. It I'm just going like to peace out. Are, yeah. are, we jo- are we just not going to acknowledge the queen died? Who? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a real shock that a 96 year old woman in poor health died that yeah. that somebody should launch an investigation. Hey, the real the real shock is that Americans are this torn up about the monarchy. Like I yeah. thought we all I thought we all agreed like democracy was the new wave. Like I I I mean I didn't watch I mean my I don't bu- know. I've seen the Supreme Court. I'm not sure they're on board with <laughs> democracy. So I didn't yeah. watch my buddies die face down in the muck in 1776 for this. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a lot of my uh, FYP is people being like we hate the queen. She was mean to Diana. Yeah. We're out. I don't know. I see a lot of that. I thought we'd all come media. around on that. I thought Diana was the key. I feel like there should be like a Clarence Thomas straight up text response where he's like, ha ha, bozo. You know, the founding <laughs> fathers would have said, you know, rest in piss. You know, where are all the Scalia fans? This should be a reason for enjoyment. You know, I'm pretty sure the founding fathers wouldn't have been sad about this. Yeah, did yeah. you see that the professor got rebuked by her university for saying something similar? No, really. really? Yeah, I think it was a Carnegie Mellon professor who said that she hoped that the Queen's death was excruciating, I think. Ooh, well, I mean, um, that's kind of mean. Sure, but got rebuked by her university, which, you know, I mean, free speech and all that. That is the take if you want to, you know, be consistent with the writer, the law writers at the time, you know. I don't, I don't, think, uh, I don't think Jefferson would have been like, oh, well, I'm so glad she died peacefully. No, he would have been like, turn up. Come here, slaves. Yeah. Like that would have been the what? That would have been the response. Okay. Well, this conversation took a turn. Uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, football and a dead queen. We got it all here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what That's you. The... I don't know what y'all did on Twitter this weekend, but that was Twitter this weekend. 
and it was there, hilarious. There was there was also sports Twitter, which yeah. Is, so uh, yeah, I yeah. saw none of it that. It was it was a it was a brutal uh, college football Saturday. There were a lot of top teams that lost, and I really enjoyed that. I mean, they paid. Uh, I saw somewhere that Sun Belt teams got paid something like four point one million dollars to show up and whoop a bunch of Power Five teams. Love that it. Was nice. Love to see it. Love to see it. Yeah, uh, Notre Dame lost. Texas. Texas A and M lost. Right, Texas also lost, but that was a that was okay. They were they an underdog, and also I watched that entire game. Alabama deserved to lose. They they did that. Did besides right. the fact that their top quarterback was injured probably for four to six weeks with like a sprained clavicle. Uh, besides that fact, even with their backup quarterback, who wound up getting injured as well, he was like hobbling around the field. Uh, mm. I really thought that Texas was still going to pull it out, and they did not, and I thought it was a travesty. But it does seem like Alabama's road to the playoffs will be a little bit harder. Not, I mean, it's probably still going to happen. But it seems like it might be a little bit harder than it is every year. Yeah, I'll, uh, you know, it, to give this something of a legal flair, we also had interesting employment uh employment issue this weekend which was did we yeah well nebraska fired its head oh, coach which, scott frost former which, ucf uh, national championship that's coach. true that's true uh, uh yeah got fired uh this week i mean listen nebraska had a t- terrible terrible set of performances the last two games but lost. where this becomes a legal question i it, know i was giving background okay. joe people not everyone may be following all of college football i'm giving background and color so people can really understand okay fight Fight. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. Yeah, so where this is a legal issue is uh, like a lot of these contracts for football coaches, there's a buyout clause. Uh, he had a $15 million buyout, meaning that they fired him for, you know, unless it was for something really bad, like for cause. But if they fired him for not doing uh, winning enough, they had to pay him $15 million. Uh, he has not been winning enough, so they restructured his contract to only pay him million, but that restructuring doesn't take effect until October 1st, and they fired him anyway, so they could have just waited. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two two or three weeks here. They could have. They probably weren't going to win anyway. Right. Uh, And they could have saved the athletic department and, by extension, possibly the public. Who knows? I'm sure Nebraska gets its money elsewhere than taxpayer dollars, ultimately, because they seem like the sort of organization that has big-pocketed donors, but they blew an extra seven and a half million on this guy. Yes, if just they just waited. Him. Yeah, they, they waited, waited a couple of weeks. They would have saved almost $8 million. Yeah. But so, I, uh, I guess firing him in the moment was more important. And yeah, so um, too bad for those brilliant lawyers who must have thought they'd done some really good work in restructuring the contract I mean, to save the, the university money. You're, and then listen, they didn't. this is real, right? Like those lawyers did do a good job. October 1st is not particularly long into the season. It's very reasonable to assume that the athletic department can wait till October 1st to fire someone if they want to fire someone. Yeah. Certainly more than two games in. It's fairly unusual to fire someone two games into a season. Three, but, you, but yeah. Oh, they, they, they played did week win. zero. Yeah, yeah. They, they lost, yeah, they lost week zero to uh, Northwestern. Northwestern. Regardless, particularly since it's not like this is Scott, this is unknown. Scott Frost has been working there for a couple of years, never had a particularly great record. So you have to imagine some L's are built in and you're going to fire him a few weeks early and cost yourself $7.5 million. I mean, okay. Bold, bold. Yeah. A quick aside to all our listeners who are not involved in the sports ball. 
this is a reason to get involved because when they were talking about legal issues and firing, I totally thought they were going to mention the uh, police deputy who got caught involved in sex trafficking. But of course, I mean, that's sports. Just, that's just normal. Sports. <laughs> that was not nearly as surprising. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I'm, maybe maybe I'm naive, but I thought that police are the people involved with stopping crime. But, you know, you know, I'm, no. I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, no. This is not where, where, where do you live? Yeah. Hey, you, uh, it's a, it's I mean, a, maybe England. this is what maybe this is why he cares about the queen. All right. <laughs> and I think with that. And a very regal-sounding fanfare. We will put a stop to small talk and and begin talking about our. Actual we didn't even topics. talk about Irish Twitter, by the way. We did not. And, oh, that was wrapped and, up in. But no, 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 no. Let's talk about uh, the sports. Okay. Ahem, ahem. <laughs> small talk is over officially. It is. Decided. It has been Come, coming from now, the guy that talked about legal issues during small talk, but whatever. That's true. So now we're going to talk about uh, law schools. Uh, in particular, we're going to talk about reforming them, or at least putting on the table the idea of reforming them. Yeah, I mean, Neil Gorsuch gave a, a talk last week. I talked about a bunch of things. Um, I think the biggest headlines were actually stuff that you wrote about, Joe, mm -hmm. uh, about the investigation into the Dobbs leak and whatever. He said exactly what you imagine a Republican on the Supreme Court would say about that. But he also kind of took on law school, saying that he didn't think that it was necessary that it takes seven years, if you count four years of undergrad, to get um, a JD degree uh, to be able to practice. And and he also thought that it was silly that someone who wants to be a criminal defender has to take securities law. I guess yeah. white collar crime is not a thing, though, right? Because well, you probably right. actually that that's not a great example. That's not that's not a good one. And uh, he Neil also Gorsuch with a bad example. No kidding. OK, uh, I mean, you're not wrong. But he also talked about how. So many people graduate with $150,000 worth of debt, which I think actually the average law school debt is a little bit more than that. But you know, we'll see how much he actually cares about student debt when Biden's debt relief uh, plan inevitably comes before the Supreme Court. So, yeah, I think it, this is all just revolve if everybody who owns debt just registers for an LLC because we have no issue with corporations getting these sort of uh, payments bailouts. Yeah. So we've got um, that's a joke, by the way. Don't do that. Yeah. This is an interesting question. Now, the the question of whether or not you should we we still need a three year law school curriculum has been out there for a while. I know Obama talked yeah, about 2013. It was a big story because Obama was like, mm, pretty sure law school should be two years. Yeah. So we've got that two year contingent. I think what Gorsuch, who did, you know, do some of his higher education in England, uh, I think he was talking more about the idea of having a more European style education where if you want to be a lawyer, that's wrapped, that's your major basically. And that's wrapped into your four years. Uh, it, yeah, I don't know as though anybody has the the right answer, but it is it is great that this is at least being talked about by Supreme Court justices. It's put it's it's introducing it on the remarks table. at best, I would say. Um, but because I, I don't think there's any sort, there's certainly not any analysis in, in the analysis in the smart remarks he's given so far about you know what would happen to law schools, the money that universities take in as a result of getting JDs, what would happen to that, how that would impact the cost of undergrad as a result, because it would absolutely go through the roof, right? I mean, it, would it though? See, like I, I understand that law schools are the cash cow of of major universities, but it, it doesn't look like universities are being all that chill about tuition now. Uh, they're making all this money off of law schools, and they're still jacking up prices. I, it's unclear to me 
if it really makes that much difference or if this is just uh, more money I, they're lining I their pockets gar- with. I guarantee having to close their law school would, would result, whether it had to in terms of bottom line or not, but would in fact result in an increase in the cost of undergraduate under- education. Zero down in my mind. Yeah, maybe. I, that strikes me as weirdly fatalistic, right? Like that strikes me as though you're basically saying that uh, it's almost like the hostage negotiation. It's like we, we have to keep law schools or else. Everybody else suffers. Well, I mean, I also think that it's important. Well, I think it's, I don't know about important, but it's certainly useful. I mean, we'd have to revamp the entirety of our education system starting from about eighth grade on if this is going to actually change, right? Because people right now, as opposed to somewhere like England or and other places in Europe, right, a lot of people treat their four years or less or more of undergrad as an opportunity to explore things that were not available in their limited high school curriculum, decide what's of interest to them, and then decide whether or not they need a postgraduate degree like, yeah. a, like a JD. I don't think the way our education system is, is not any disrespect to teachers at all. I think it's a fun, it's a systemic issue. I don't think it's teachers' faults. Uh, but we have a whole system of of testing that is built up around the notion that you're not going to figure out that you want to be a lawyer. Most people will not know at 17 when they're applying to undergraduate whether or what they want to do for the rest of their life. Yeah. No, I mean, so I've actually never been on the shortening law school side. I actually like law school at the three years. I just think that what should happen is it should go hand in hand with getting rid of the bar exam. I think that we should not have people spend three years worth of tuition and then have another disconnected from everything to use Gorsuch's whole criminal defense and securities law bad example. You shouldn't have to be testing out of all these practice areas you aren't going to go into. I mean, I just think that we need to utilize the end of the bar exam to make the third, second and third years more robust and just create a system where you get out of those three years and you are prepared to go out and be licensed as a lawyer. I mean, the other reason why I think this changing, radically altering the system has very little chance of actually happening in this country is because I think as a profession, lawyers are very invested in elitism and it's a lot easier to be a gatekeeper when there are law schools and there are fewer law schools than there are undergraduate schools and all these other things. And it it would be shocking to me if the profession would change in that way. I think it could be done in two. I mean, there's seems like what's what's the what's the general thing everybody tells OLs? One one L they scare you, second year they work you to death, and third year they bore you. Like there's not a general there's never I haven't heard from many people to be fair, I haven't asked this question, but I haven't heard from many people that were like, Yeah, the third year really did it for me. In my personal experience it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Might, I really and, liked my third year. Yeah, but like that's no, but like right. there's a difference. There's a distinction between fun and utility. In my personal Absolutely. experience, my third year was the year that I took the classes I was actually interested in. Not necessarily, yeah. I took that that it's those are the year things that made me a better a better lawyer. I mean, like if it was if it was structured in a way where it was two years, maybe I could have took the classes I was interested in earlier on, or I could have been on a track where I took classes that actually were in line with what I wanted to do. I don't, I don't think like doing a three year because of tradition or something is a reason, is a reason to have on an extra Well, I think that K. part of it's also because you need, uh, if Joe's wrong about them restructuring the bar exam, right? Let's put that, the bar exam question 
uh, to bed for a moment and say that there are a lot more classes than just sort of the required ones that you're going to need to take if you want to pass the bar exam, right? People take trusts and estates not because they are interested in writing Grandma Betty's will. They take it because they want to be able to pass the bar exam. So they, they have to sprinkle in those classes in between the stuff that they want to take and or clinics that are available, a lot of schools. And yeah. it, it's because the bar exam is a generalist exam. Yeah, so like I, I feel like you, if you're going to shorten law schools, you need to lean into the bar exam. Since I don't like the bar exam, I would prefer three years and no bar exam. But you know, it's it's one or the other. I think the but that's the philosophical question: is where where do you do you think licensing needs to be an additional thing on top of your diploma? And if you do, then I think you probably can shorten law school. And if you don't, I think you probably need to crack, you know, make law school higher standards and so mm. on. But it's inter- But again, it's interesting, not so much that he has the right answers uh, about anything, except maybe Indian policy. Uh, but it's that he's at least putting this out there on the table, like like when Obama did it. I think it's while Obama was a law professor, I think it's very important when the actual Supreme Court justices are starting to raise the, hey, maybe this is a broken system. I think it just creates a conversation that's worth having. Sure. I agree with that. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. All right, so lawyering with families, that's... Not a a great week for it. It is not a great week for it. Not that it's necessarily easy to do for people anyway, but... What what all happened here? Well, there were two stories. Do you want the one with the happy ending first or the one with the sad ending or the less great ending? It doesn't matter to me. So there was uh, an attorney in uh, Florida who asked for a continuance because his wife was having a child and it would be during his paternity leave. So he asked for a delay. And despite the fact that in Florida, there is a model rule saying that unless it would cause some undue burden for some reason or if it's done too suddenly or something like that, courts should presumptively grant these. Um, The judge said no uh, three times. 
uh, and said, in fact, if you file another motion for a continuance because you're going on paternity leave, I'm going to sanction you. Uh, fortunately, um, the legal media took up the cause, uh, as did another a number of other um, advocacy organizations, and the judge changed their mind. And that um, dad was able to file, you know, paperwork to get a continuance to get his uh, paternity leave. The other one is less of a good ending, um, mostly because I don't think anybody knew about it until after it sort of had happened. But it was a Seventh Circuit federal appeals case, and they asked for uh, a continuance because the there are two um, attorneys on the case. One of them was going to trial on another matter during the oral argument when it was scheduled, and the one remaining had just suffered, um, his wife had suffered a miscarriage, so felt that it was did not have the adequate time to prepare uh, and also wanted to take the time for personal reasons, which seems very, very reasonable. The other side agreed. <laughs> and the seventh and that's sir, the part that gets yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, it's unopposed. The unopposed <laughs> motion is denied. Denied. Seventh Circuit's like, no bueno. Um, we only heard about it the day that the oral argument happened. So um, the the attorney had to sort of, and it just reeks of the worst kind of sort of toxic masculinity, like what men aren't supposed to be upset or have have ish, have emotional baggage when they when their family suffers a miscarriage. No, it should only be, you should just have a stiff upper lip and go about your day as if nothing happened. That seems weird and awful. And put aside whether or not you personally are supposed to have emotions, like you're supposed (laughs) to be supportive too. And it just, yeah. It It seems unnecessarily cruel. It strikes me having done this for a long time that uh, I can count on on maybe one hand, a situation where an unopposed motion should be denied. Like, it strikes me as though if both sides agree to something, you grant Particularly about scheduling. I I mean, well, I would say scheduling is one of the few places where I might disagree, but only if the two sides are trying to bleak house something and just refuse to have, to come to an end and drag it out and, you know, that sort of thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, like, putting stuff off. I mean, the other dates that he suggested were, like, a week later, yeah. right? It was just, he was in the middle of it, right? He was in the shit. Yeah. And was just like, can I get a damn breather? And Seventh Circuit's like, nah. Yeah. Nah. Uh, it, ju- it just reinforces every terrible thing about Every terrible courts. thought. And, and it's, it's bullshit, right? Appellate work is hard enough. You don't need to add this kind of bullshit layer on top of it just to prove that you're tough enough to actually handle it. And it, I think it, it does a detriment to the entire profession as people see these stories and are like, this does not seem like a profession for me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the, uh, the, the, the court were just trying to, through this example, prepare students for what it's like to work big law. Well, I, I mean, honestly think big law is kinder about better it. Better than that. A hundred percent. I don't think I worked at two different big law firms. I don't think for a second this kind of a request would be not taken very seriously and absolutely 100% granted. You'd absolutely be told that, you know, go home, deal with that, and respond to my BlackBerry emails. (laughs) Oh, you you just aged yourself with your BlackBerry reference. (laughs) But but still, yes, you you probably would still have to do some stuff, but... Yeah, yeah. They, they'd be. M- but they, there's a lot, I, I think, and maybe it's also because you work them on a day to day basis as opposed to a judge that you rarely see and doesn't actually deal with you on a day to day basis. But like, I can't imagine, and maybe I was lucky, although didn't feel it at the time, but 
I can't imagine a situation where they wouldn't show a little bit more grace than this. Yeah. No, absolutely. It just makes me think of those uh, dystopian horror stories that get shown off as being like uh, a great worker. Like, oh, some Harvard Law School uh, graduate gives birth while also answering emails. Like, no, yeah. why are you doing that? Yeah. That's not good. Don't mm-hmm. celebrate this. You know? <laughs> gave birth right while taking the bar exam. I mean, that's a real that story one, that, that was written. That was one that we wrote. And, had, yeah. and yeah, my takeaway there was, wait a minute, maybe this is a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, what's our what's our last subject? Well, it's uh, back to school time, and I think for a lot of places, it means back to the office. Okay. You know, there's been a lot of talk, and we've mentioned it several times on the podcast, about what is it going to take for people go to go back to the office, not necessarily full-time. I don't think most places realistically expect five days a week anymore, but probably do expect... Two to three. Yeah, we're getting some interesting experimentation. Uh, lots of people are pushing for somewhat, some kind of a hybrid ex- model, whether it's four days or three days. We have people who say, hey, come in three days a week. We have other firms saying, come in Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, you know, but whether, whether it's better to have the flexible model or uh, everybody's here on these days, like everyone's kind of playing around trying to figure out what to do. And we have heard some of these stories where big firms are complaining that we have this hybrid system and you haven't been coming in. So Right, and they're about to make it not voluntary. Right, which, you know, is unfortunate. Uh, but how do you make people come in? Uh, and why and are culture. you... Well, right, and that's the thing. And the argument that people make is that it's some part of culture. You need to be around your colleagues for some reason. And, I, and look, I've defended the idea that there's soft learning that happens in law. For sure. Like a lot of it is. And you have to be around people to see some of this stuff. Uh, that's, you know, how the, the younger generation figures this out. But the answer to getting people, coaxing people back into the office might be by having a cooler office, uh, which brings me to kind of a story we had last week, which uh, Vela Wood uh, in Texas, and I think they also have an office in California, uh, they have a long tradition of being very pro-travel. They want their employees to travel the world. They think it's valuable uh, and have always been very flexible about making sure people are able to do that. They've had a program for a long time about people being able to work for a month at a time from anywhere. Uh, this summer, uh, they got their culture in the the fun way. Uh, to get to get that firm culture, they rented office space in Lisbon, Portugal, and invited everybody to come on out. And about half the firm did and stayed there for, for a couple too, of weeks. Right? Uh, they they paid a stipend to bring people over. A lot of people brought over their families and all, and had a couple of week, two to four weeks over there. Uh, it doubled as business development. They met with some clients, uh, some prospective clients and all while they were over there. That's and, pretty yeah. cool. I'm yeah. sorry. That, that uh, Okay, I'm in. I'm yeah, in. Yeah, like, what gets me about it is uh, there's something about, and I don't know how, if there's a more like works, workplace psychologist way of doing this, of saying this, but it strikes me as though you're going to be, that culture is going to be built better by virtue of everybody having, you know, working in an unfamiliar location. Sure. 
Every you're learning together. It's it's yeah. It's it's the you what, what's it called like when people bond together? Not trauma bonding, but you know, I think it's kind just of bonding. Your... It's just bonding, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, lawyers! There are forms of bonding outside of suffering together. <laughs> some people, some people even call them things like friendship and camaraderie. <laughs> There's a world outside of blue booking. Trust me. I'm skeptical. Point is, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it does strike me though. Right? <laughs> These folks are going to build a tighter unit by being in unfamiliar surroundings. And I'll I'll say from personal experience, uh, you know, kind of an unfortunate, fortunate story given our proximity to this anniversary here. But so I was at Cleary Gottlieb offices very much downtown Manhattan. We had to as a legal as a litigation group, we had to relocate into temporary office space and work for, you know, for four months or so, I think in a different location Mm -hmm. and everybody was everybody was in a different location and everybody was trying to figure out what they were doing and i i i mean i don't i can't compare it to how that group feels normally but i certainly felt more comrades in arms with the rest of the litigation group than i think i would have otherwise because we were all crammed into a tiny place together nobody was like in their their throne room that they call associates into but they were they were catch as catch can of the wherever they yeah and everybody was kind of yeah everything was thrown into chaos then yeah and so yeah obviously i think it would be a lot nicer to be in lisbon portugal than in an unused floor of paul weiss's building <laughs> but <laughs> yeah you know, after a terrorist attack yeah so, after yeah, yeah so better. this is a better option it's better better all the way around but yeah no but it, but good on them uh, for coming up with a creative way of getting people to want to come back into an office environment and just for the purposes of building that culture. Uh, Cause if culture is what you're after and not FaceTime for no reason. Uh, this is a, this is the way to do it. This is the kind of way to do it. And you know, whether it's bringing the whole, inviting the whole firm out or, you know, you don't have to go to Portugal. It could be other trips and locations and smaller groups and teams or departments, but whatever, however you do it, if you care about the culture, like make people work together in kind of fun, yeah, go, let's have an office on the beach for a couple of weeks and see see how much I like you then. Yeah. You know what they're really going to do? What they're really going to do is just add uh, real estate uh, stock to people's compensation packages. That's the only way people actually care about actually coming in person <laughs> because they don't want to make sure buildings are actually a thing in the future. I mean, there are definitely, there's and I've said this before, but you can definitely tell based on firm stances on hybrid working who signed their 10-year lease recently and who's about <laughs> to have it come up <laughs> there's a there's a trend line there that is that you cannot escape uh, anyway uh so i think that's everything for this week so thanks everybody for listening you know be sure to check out that survey that i think is attached to, that is attached to this episode if you're listening to this episode in real time and if you aren't well then it's probably over. Anyway, point is, take that. You should be listening to the show. Obviously, subscribe. You get all the episodes when they come out. You should give reviews, stars, write something. You know the drill. Uh, you should read Above the Law uh, because you know you can see these and other stories before they are talked about here. You should be following us on social media. I'm 
at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One. Chris is at Rights for Rent. Uh, Above the Laws at ATL Blog. You should be listening to the Jabot, her other show. I also am a panelist on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable. You should check out the Legal Talk Network's other panoply of shows that <laughs> we aren't necessarily on, but you know, sometimes we're guests on some other things. Uh, so check those out. And with all of that said, I think we're good. Peace. See you next week. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.